Hello and welcome to the limited podcast series, Making Government Work, a conservative agenda for the states. It's a new project that focuses on how the states can implement common sense, conservative public policy initiatives that benefit the nation as a whole. My name is Brian Phillips. I'm the Chief Communications Officer for the Texas Public Policy Foundation, and I'll be your host today. Our guest is the man who spearheaded this current initiative and the refresh of a 1994 book of the same name, Making Government Work. He is Texas State Representative Tan Parker. Representative Parker is, of course, a member of the Texas State Legislature, and he's also a successful businessman and a champion for keeping government accessible and accountable, very needed today. And of course, grounded in service to others, which is very much a a theme of this book. He represents parts of Denton Denton County here in Texas, which is just outside the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Representative Parker, welcome. Well, thank you, Brian. Appreciate you having me. Uh, well, let me start first by uh, letting our listeners know uh, that if they're interested in ordering the book and learning more about this project, they can log on to makinggovernmentwork.com. There they will see what I think, frankly, is a star-studded list of authors and contributors that Representative Parker has put together as contributors for this book. It really is an, just an incredibly impressive list of conservative thought leaders, activists, and authors taking on some of the really the most important and most current challenges that we face uh, in society today. So, so Tam, before we get started and in, in getting into the tough issues of the day, I'd like to first get your thoughts on, on the lineup you assembled for the book and how you went about uh, choosing those authors. Well, again, Brian, thank you for the opportunity. And, uh, you know, it was an incredible journey and experience. Uh, you know, it really, for me, goes back to uh, as a young man, uh, I had the privilege of uh, interning for a guy by the name of Tex Lazar, who was the Assistant Attorney General of the United States under President Reagan uh, and his wonderful wife, uh, Mary Spaeth. And uh, it's that incredible relationship that led to the present. Um, And we can talk about that in some more detail. But it really, in putting out a 2020 version of the book, gave me an opportunity to not just provide a refresh, uh, but to look at how policy has changed over the last 25 years in America for the states and and obviously the state's impact uh, to the federal government and the federal government's impact upon the states. But it really gave me the ability to have a, a broad brushstroke uh, of looking at uh, who would be the very best uh, experts today on all the various topics facing the country uh, that could provide some insight uh, to American citizens. And so that's really what I started with as a broad framework. Uh, and I really kind of went one by one. I really looked at an issue like the Second Amendment. And I said, you know, who better in America who would be the best person in the Second Amendment in the country to talk about the importance of the issue? Uh, and for me, my journey led me immediately to, to Chuck Norris. Uh, and I asked Chuck to uh, participate in the book as he did. Uh, being on the topic of tax policy, uh, same type of journey. I thought about uh, who would I want to talk about tax policy for the states? What could be most effective to encourage economic vitality? Uh, and that led me to uh, Dr. Uh, Laffer. Um, so you just go down the list of folks. I really wanted to get uh, the best expert in each of the categories of the book, uh, 20, some 23 chapters in total, to be able to showcase real knowledge and expertise that the American people can utilize going forward. 
And and folks can see a, a full list of these authors um, again at, at makinggovernmentwork.com. Um, and the original book, uh, as you know, of course, the, had the forward from from President Ronald Reagan. Uh, but you got a surprise guest this time to do another forward. We, it published the original forward from Ronald Reagan, but you got a surprise guest to do the the new forward for this book. Can you tell your listeners about who that is, Brian? That's exactly right. How, how blessed and privileged I am, and have the privilege of working with uh, Nikki Haley. Of course, our uh, most recently our most incredible uh, ambassador to the United Nations, and just an incredible, obviously, governor uh, in her career as well, and just uh, an amazing person. So, very, very privileged to have her write the foreword for our new 2020 version of Making Government Work. And like I said a moment ago, we're so blessed to have an amazing all-star lineup, right? Of so many incredible authors. Uh, you know, I mentioned a couple a moment ago, but you know, I said uh, Chuck Norris and. Dr. Art Laffer, but, you know, everybody, including uh, Rick Perry and uh, Senator Rick Santorum and Governor Jeb Bush and Rebecca Clayfish from Wisconsin and uh, Mm -hmm. Ed Hennings from the Dallas Cowboys. The list goes on and on. That's exactly right. So why don't we start at the beginning then and talk about the original book um, was published in 1994 and kind of how that came to be and and what the, the principles and values that they were trying to get across with that book. Absolutely. Look, in 1994, Tex Lazar, uh, working with your great organization as his partner back in 1994, put together the original Making Government Work. And it was really focused on providing kind of a blueprint for the states uh, in terms of key areas of policy, be it tax policy, welfare policy, education policy. Uh, And it really aspired to bring at that time uh, folks that were Again, the, the very best experts in the country on these topics to bear uh, to provide insight to policymakers and to the public at large. Uh, and so what, what we've really done here in this new book is try to expand beyond those topics originally and also to provide, obviously, new insight uh, now that we're 26 years later. But it really began with this incredible vision that my mentor and dear friend in life, Tex Lazar, had. Uh, Tex was one of the great conservative legal minds uh, of the century. Uh, God rest his soul. The Lord took him home much too young in life at the age of 55. Uh, But his life and legacy live on through his wife and his children. And that's the reason why this book is so special to me, Brian, is Mm -hmm. uh, Mary asked me after having that relationship that goes back to when I was a 19-year-old kid uh, to have the privilege uh, and honor of picking up his mantle, so to speak, uh, and to continue to uh, bring about uh, this type of uh, thinking and thought processes around the importance of the states, right? Mm-hmm. We need to recognize always the book fundamentally was rooted in the fact that the federal government was formed from the states. It wasn't the other way around. The, mm-hmm. the, the states are really the laboratory of innovation and policy development for the country. And that's what this book originally, 1994, was trying to showcase. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm continuing to showcase and extend here in 2020. So maybe the next question then is, is why now? Uh, why, where did the idea uh, for, to do a refresh even come from? And, and why do you think right now is the right time for uh, both this evaluation of, of policy solutions through a conservative lens and maybe even uh, uh, evaluation of conservatism itself? Why do you think now is the right time for this book? Well, look, I I just believe, you know, when you get to the quarter century mark, uh, no matter what the field of domain is, uh, it's important to look back and study something and see 
what has changed in a 25 year period. Uh, and I think that, you know, Americans are longing for uh, a better understanding of the foundations of our country's government, right? I think they are, uh, you know, er- longing for uh, not just leadership, but they're, but they're longing specifically to understand the framework of the nation. And that's really what we're trying to provide is that framework by which the states were originally created uh, and that ultimately the federal government was an extension uh, and created by the states themselves. And and so I just believe that in 2020, uh, people have a real uh, yearning to learn more about these issues. Politics today is so much more uh, common in terms of its uh, daily discussion in our lives than it, I think, has ever been in our history. I think more people are getting engaged in the political arena today than ever before. And so as a result, uh, I just felt passionately that in this important uh, election year and important time in the history of the, of the state, the history of the nation, the history of the world, uh, that, that we would, in fact, uh, provide a refresh. Well, you know, that's interesting because they say, you know, the more things change, the more they stay the same. Um, and it seems like sometimes we're fighting uh, this almost the same, if not similar ideological battles uh, today that perhaps, you know, Ronald Reagan was fighting um, in his time. And that and some of these uh, uh, issues that came up in the 1994 book um, also talk about. Um, but it, but it, there's definitely a difference, right, uh, in the way we fight these battles today. And the way that we get our message out there and put out these solutions. So what do you think is the biggest change from a time like 1994 uh, to today here in 2020? Brian, in my mind, look, there there are all kinds of changes, right? So to narrow down on one, it's got to be very profound. But I I think the most profound one that's changed dramatically is, frankly, the growth of new media, right? And it's not just about the new channels that are out there. Uh, or vehicles, rather, but it's specifically around the fact that journalism has tremendously changed, right? I mean, today you have an environment where, you know, individual people all across the United States are effectively, you know, playing the role of a journalist, right? They're providing their point of view out there on social media apps for, you know, 330 plus million Americans to be able to listen and and to digest every day. And so that's a tremendous change, not to mention the fact that we now have such a skepticism around the media that didn't exist 25 years ago. Uh, mm-hmm. The media, in my mind, 25 years ago was much more revered and respected. Uh, and, and so those are all factors that are enormously different about where we are today when we came out with this 2020 version of Making Government Work uh, versus the original book back in 1994. But, you know, there are lots of other things that are significant too that have changed. I mean, you know, the collapse of the Soviet Union, of course, uh, taking place there in the early 1990s. We really, as a society, as a nation, went from worrying about that overarching uh, threat, if you will, uh, external threat to the country that was uh, so encompassing of everything in our lives, to now shifting much more as a people broadly to thinking about domestic policy and domestic issues. So that's been a major thing that's played out, I think, as well over the course of, of the last 25 years. And of course, as it pertains to government itself, we've seen ex- an enormous expansion of the federal government in these 25 years. Uh, you know, there's more power and more influence in Washington than ever before. And of course, I'm, you know, I'm there advocating for the fact that we've got to push back on that. We cannot continue to grow the size of federal government. We've got to be able to allow state governments to be able to control their own destiny 
and take more of that responsibility on for themselves. So those are some just really huge issues that have changed in the 25 years, 26 years to be precise, since the book, uh, original book first came out, Brian. And getting into the some of the specifics of the book, you know, one of the major themes that you've already hit on that I'd like you to talk a bit, little bit more about is how, you know, these solutions are really geared towards the states. But at the same time, if states take on some of these solutions or if they take on some of these reforms, it really will make the nation better as a whole. Can you talk a little bit about, about kind of that process and that, you know, you've talked a little bit about federalism and talked about the states. You know, a lot of people think that, that you know, going to Washington is the only way that we'll get ever get anything fixed. And you've almost turned that idea completely on its head and saying, look, it's going to start with the it's going to start with the states. Can you talk a little bit about how that comes out in the book? Yeah, a- a- absolutely, Brian. And, and that's precisely correct. Your assessment is on the money that that what we are really talking about. It's just as President Reagan said in the original forward to the book 26 years ago and in the current version that we reprint his original forward. And, and that is that his fundamental belief uh, that, you know, basically government governs best that is closest to the people. Uh, and, and so, you know, the states have a much better understanding of what is best for their individual citizens than does the federal government. Uh, the problem is that we've had so much growth of the federal government with regard to the expansion of new uh, programs that, you know, uh, basically have strings attached that make it very enticing for states and so forth to be able to have access to those dollars. But they always have. Um, you know, strings attached in most cases with negative repercussions for the citizens of that state, be it economically or in any other way. Uh, so, you know, the bottom line is, is that what this book is doing is putting forth very concrete and specific proposals, policy area by policy area. We talk about tax policy. Mm-hmm. We talk about environment policy, right? We, we, we talk about health care policy. We, we talk about, you know, uh, how to handle the Second Amendment. We talk about, you know, how to handle the issue of, of uh, public sector unions. I mean, you name the topic that's affecting American citizens, and we're talking about it. And, mm-hmm. and so I just think that, the, that at the end of the day, most Americans will come to an understanding uh, only through uh, being uh, able to understand these issues at a greater level that this that their real impact for them in terms of how they interface with government is much more impactful at the state level, the local level, than it really is the federal level. And that what we do in the states matters. Because when we put in place great policy here in Texas, for example, if we do it right, it will attract the attention of federal lawmakers. Uh, it'll attack the, I should say, attract the attention of a, of a president like our uh, President Trump to be able to then push forward on statewide policies that are successful in a particular state like Texas and make it a nationwide law. Uh, And we've seen that happen with regard to issues like right on crime and and so many other examples that we uh, articulate and talk about in the book. But all of it began in the states. And that's what's so powerful. And I think when when citizens have the privilege uh, of – learning more about their government, I I think it's a service that we're providing to them that will provide tremendous dividends if they realize that at the state level, uh, they really have the greatest influence to shape their government for the better. 
Well, and and we talk about the Texas model all the time here in Texas, but you know, of course, we don't have a monopoly on good ideas. Although sometimes our, our Texas bravado gets in the way of, of acknowledging that sometimes, but there are certainly other states and there are other places uh, where they are they're testing out. Um, you know, really good state level ideas that can be then adopted by the federal government. Absolutely. A- absolutely. And, and, and in that sense, the states really serve as the ultimate laboratory, right? I mean, because, you know, we can learn in a, in a state, we can learn in Texas, we can, we can learn in Iowa, right? We can learn in West Virginia and, and uh, every state in this country. And when we take, when we take those lessons, uh, it, it can make a huge and profound difference uh, for how we govern the nation as a whole. And you've mentioned already some, um, you know, what I would consider traditional policy issues um, that have spanned, you know, the last three or four decades. I mean, we're always dealing with issues of taxes and spending or of health care or of education. Um, but, you know, you haven't just recycled, you know, what was said in 1994. I mean, these authors, these contributors have really updated, uh, you know, even the more traditional issues for 2020. And then, of course, you've added a couple new issues in there, you know, things like, um, you know, that, that are more relevant to, you know, things like cybersecurity or for the Internet age. Can you talk a little bit about what you think maybe the biggest differences are, um, you know, substance, so substantive differences from the, the original book and, and the 2020 edition? Yeah, no, that's great. I, you know, I think probably the, the biggest focus I would share with you, Brian, is that we just touched not only uh, on the old topics you said uh, historically with the, with the refresh of what's taking place and what needs to happen, but we bring into play a lot of additional new topics that I think the American people want to learn more about. Um, first and foremost on that list, uh, I'll give you an example, is you know we have a chapter that's dedicated to the Electoral College and understanding the importance of the Electoral College uh, and why it works and why it's worked beautifully from the time of our, of our founding and why it needs to continue to be the model for how we select presidents going forward. Um, we also have a, a great chapter uh, on infrastructure. You know, we have so much aging infrastructure in this country. And I'm not just talking about, you know, roads and bridges. There's so much other additional infrastructure when we talk about wastewater uh, sewage plants and you're talking about uh, the, the whole world around um, broadband infrastructure. Uh, you know, we have uh, a, a world today where we've had American citizens that have been damaged because of, uh, you know, literally waste uh, not just waste systems that were uh, problematic, but specifically drinking water systems that were damaged. And, and so all that infrastructure look for the states needs to be looked at in terms of how we get out of the current uh, infrastructure challenges that we're facing, how we find new funding solutions creatively that protect the taxpayer while at the same time being able to move uh, the, the nation forward. We do a chapter specifically with Kathy Ireland. Uh, she's an incredibly powerful voice with regard to uh, the most important issue of all in my assessment, which is life, always protecting life, the sanctity of life, the sanctity of every human being uh, from conception to natural death. And she does a, a beautiful piece that it was a privilege to work with her uh, on making certain that we talk about uh, the right to life. So my point is, is that we talk about a whole lot of additional topics and subjects uh, beyond uh, those that were covered in 1994. 
And can you talk a little bit about, um, you know, that's really interesting, I think, for a lot of people is is about the discussions that you had with the authors in, in helping them develop their chapters. Um, you know, I know you it was a lot of work on your part even to to get folks to, you know, to, to be part of the project and to put it all together. Um, but I think, you know, what would be interesting is, you know, the, the, the conversations you had and the dialogue you had in, in helping uh, each one of these individual authors, you know, figure out you know wh- what they wanted their voice to be what angles they wanted to take on the issues can you can you highlight maybe you know a story or two about maybe you know somebody that you that you worked with in helping develop their their story yeah no it's a great great question thank you Brian for that and and that frankly i mean it was a, a tremendous honor and privilege for me for you know 18 months of my life to 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 work on the construction of the book and to and to reach out to all of these authors that i thought would be exceptional because I just believe they had stories to tell. You know, I, one of my beliefs is that, you know, we really as conservatives across the country lost our storytelling ability uh, in many ways uh, with the passing of President Reagan. Uh, we've had amazing public policy successes for a quarter century plus, but we just haven't always articulated them in a way uh, that, you know, made sense or that was tangible to our citizens that were uh, so fortunate to be able to uh, represent. Mm-hmm. And so specifically with regard to these stories, I mean, you know, I would visit with a particular author and I would lay out, you know, what the plan was for the overall book. And then I would ask them, you know, based on their area of expertise to then focus on a particular area of policy. And we start talking about it. And it was just a, an incredibly enlightening and wonderful experience for me to go back and forth talking about what would be impactful for the American people what needs to be done in order to move the move the needle, so to speak, on a particular policy area, uh, and and then to hear their personal stories. You know, uh, one of the examples that immediately comes to mind is you know talking to uh, someone like uh, well Rebecca Clayfish. Uh, she'd been the lieutenant governor of Wisconsin uh, with Governor Walker, and of course they they battled uh, mm-hmm. incredibly <laughs> uh, the um, public sector uh, labor unions. Uh, it's Everyone knows, uh, you know, the stories of what Wisconsin has gone through in recent years. And when you hear Becky Clayfish talk about the personal aspects of that, being lieutenant governor, being by the side of Governor Walker, the two of them were making decisions that would impact not just Wisconsin, but would ultimately impact the nation as a whole, uh, was just really extraordinary. You know, Becky talks about, you know, what, what, it, what the impact was on the citizens she was so blessed to represent, but also the impact that it had on her and her family. Um, and the, the fact that she, you know, was uh, uh, going through uh, recovery and, and battling cancer while at the same time being a heroic, um, you know, passionate champion uh, for protecting the taxpayer. Uh, because what the demands were being made of these public sector unions were just not items and things that were reasonable. They were not sustainable. Uh, things that would have bankrupted the state of Wisconsin. Uh, and, and so when you hear those kind of personal stories and accounts and, and have the privilege of working with an author on a particular chapter like this one, or the privilege of working, uh, you know, with, uh, with Chuck Norris uh, and, and his passion with regard to the Second Amendment, or the incredible knowledge and capability and skill and passion of uh, of a Rick Santorum talking about healthcare policy uh, with Grace Marie Turner from the Galen Institute. I mean, these are just incredible 
experiences for me that enriched my life and my thinking about all these areas, various areas of public policy. But I think they'll provide tremendous benefit to the to the citizens of this country. That's my hope and prayer. Is that uh, you know every citizen in this country uh, that cares so deeply about our future will will understand uh, better the underlining if you will, uh, structure by which this country was created, which is the states, understand the role that they play, understand the proper role of federalism, and that government is ultimately best when it's closest to the people. And understand that the things that we do in the states, Texas or otherwise, has tremendous opportunity to be rolled out uh, universally across the country. So my hope is that uh, you know more citizens, more young people uh, will, will take the time to learn what we believe as conservatives, um, you know, it's not just enough to say I'm a conservative, we're a conservative. I want to be able to articulate what that means. And we've tried to do that in this book uh, in a way that is pragmatic and tangible uh, for, for every American citizen to be able to pick up and read and understand uh, the views of these great uh, thought leaders in these areas. Right. So some of the ones I mentioned, uh, talking about Governor Rick Perry and, and specifically Governor Perry's thoughts and vision that went into the creation of the Texas model, the modern day Texas model, mm-hmm. uh, and the things that have made Texas so economically blessed in every way. So uh, I, I just, my hope and prayer is that Americans will be open to reading the book, uh, take the time to do so. And I think it'll provide a, uh, you know, a great blueprint for not just uh, policymakers in the states and frankly, at the federal level, but it'll make real beneficial improvements in the lives of everyday citizens here in America as well. That's great. And and so that's all of our time now for this episode. Um, I want to remind our listeners that if you want to find out more about the book or you want to see the full list of authors that Representative Tam Parker has has put together for this uh, wonderful refresh of the 1994 edition of, of Making Government Work, they can go to makinggovernmentwork.com and check it out. Um, I'll leave it with this last one question. I'm interested. You know, th- this, is, this book was first published, you know, a quarter century ago. Um, and now here we have this edition. What do you think, you know, in a quarter century from now, in 2045, uh, you know, what do you think America might look like and, and will we potentially need a new edition of, of making government work? Well, uh, Brian, thank you for that question. And, and look, you know, w- what we are uh, doing in this 2020 book are building upon the timeless concepts, right? Even in this time of great challenge for our country, we're building upon these timeless concepts. Uh, we're providing updates and an expansion of some of these uh, issues that are based on these fundamental foundational pieces for the country. But in my opinion, 20 years from now, 25 years from now, you know, I think it's always important that the people of this country look back and see where we've been and how things have changed, as I said earlier, in any field of endeavor. And so uh, my hope and prayer is that uh, uh, other folks would, would take up the mantle, so to speak, a quarter century from now and talk about, you know, how things have changed from 2020 uh, so that we can always uh, be vibrant uh, and always be, you know, uh, this incredible nation that our founders envisioned and, and always, always be improving. I, I think it's important for the American people to realize that we didn't start off as a perfect union. You know, our nation, we recognize, has flaws. Uh, and, and multiple flaws in lots of ways. There's lots of challenging things in our history. But it's, it's important for everyone to recognize 
that, that we are, in fact, as a people, always aspiring to greatness, always working to be continuously better. And so, you know, I believe this country is tremendously better than it was uh, 100 years ago, 50 years ago. And I believe the case will be the same 40 and 50 and 100 years from now and beyond. And so uh, I think it's important that we learn from the past. I think it's also important that we take this kind of analysis, and I hope it'll happen again in 2045, Brian. Well, thank you so much, uh, Representative Parker, for for joining us today and for um, you know giving us your thoughts about this project, about this book, about this wonderful work, and all of our contributors and the wonderful authors that that wrote their chapters and contributed to this work. Um, again, if you're if you're interested in, in checking out the book and, and seeing um, you know and p- picking it up, you can go to makinggovernmentwork.com. Thank you, Representative Parker, um, and thank you all for joining us today on this episode. Thank you, Brian. 